um, we are taking our Wednesday evening meetings to the next level. It's something that I'm going to be personally uh, focusing on. And um, that means that each week, it's in the Revival Times, think page 12, 13. Each week, each month, there'll be, there'll be special things taking place in each of the weeks. Every first Wednesday of the month is what we're calling Global Prayer Breakthrough. And on every first Wednesday of the month, we will be spending specific time praying for needs in nations in the world from a global perspective. So, for example, I will be bringing presentations on Wednesday evening, and we will be praying together, especially in regard to some of the things that's taking place in Africa, especially Nigeria. We've got some very, very strong praying that needs to be done to break the power of the enemy and what's going on in there. We really need to grab hold of that and, and do some works. So we'll be praying for Nigeria, having presentations and prayer for Nigeria. Also, we'll be praying for the nations that are suffering from Ebola and anything else that I, I pick up on as I prepare for that Wednesday evening. And then the next Wednesday evening, uh, the second Wednesday evening, will be a focus on personal family and cell breakthrough. So that night we'll be praying for personal breakthroughs, family breakthroughs, and we'll also be bringing cell groups up. Every, one, every month it'll be a different downline from the men and w with the women. They will come on, they'll tell a little bit about their needs, we'll be praying for them, and they also will be involved in leading the prayer as well. Then the third Wednesday is going to be what we call a London City Breakthrough. And so on that Wednesday, I mean, we'll pray whatever things come up in the news anyway, but on that Wednesday, we'll be featuring some of our satellite churches and ministries and people group ministries across London. They'll be coming up as, they'll be coming up as well. And um, uh, we'll, we'll be praying for those churches. We'll also be praying specifically for citywide needs and what's going on in this city. And then the final, the final Wednesday of every month, we're going to be praying for the giants. So it'll be issues in politics or education or sports or media. And if we have people involved in those areas, we'll bring, give presentations. And that will cycle every month so that people with different interests will know. And also on Sunday, we'll be able to give you a feel of what's happening in the coming Wednesday. So um, we're, we're looking forward to that. If Melanie would, wouldn't mind coming to the platform, she's going to give a, a little bit of a testimony of something that happened uh, to her last week. Last week we were praying for um, uh, mobility problems and we saw some things taking place here on the platform. Um, but I think, Melanie, you were prayed for later. J just, just say what happened to you last week and how it happened. And Hi, yes. Um, I was sitting over here uh, last Sunday night and um, the mobility, people with mobility issues were called out. But your specific... Places you mentioned didn't, um, you know, attend to me, basically. And um, I laid hands on myself in my own chair and I just went, Lord, I know you can heal me. And I just wanted to be that woman, you know, reaching out for the hem of the garment, just being healed on my own seat. What was, and, your, what was your problem? Um, I had rheumatoid, had rheumatoid arthritis. How long have you had? Um, I've had it for four years. And um, it's been a really, really hard journey, actually. Um, it's got worse and worse and worse over the years and um, to the point where, you know, I've been on serious medication for the last three years and to the point where I was working full-time to not working at all. Um, I was bedridden for days. I couldn't get out of bed. The swelling that was in my knees and in my hands. Um, I'm a piano and singing teacher and when I teach on the piano, I had limited, you know, mobility in my hands even. So... I just um, really, really suffered, and I get regular hospital treatment. And actually, I'm seeing my specialist tomorrow, and um, he's going to be very surprised because um, I couldn't do this. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I had the amount of swelling that were in my knees, you know, going up and down stairs at the time. I would be one at a time. I would be like an old lady in a young body. And... Um, Honestly, when I got prayer, Beverly, I don't know if Beverly's here tonight. She's not here tonight, no. Oh, she prayed so for me. So you came at the end? I came at the end of the altar call because I just went, they're not my places where I'm sore. I'm sore in my knees and my hands sure. and my hips. And they weren't the places that were, that were mentioned. <laughs> so I came out afterwards and in my seat, 
I felt my hands were very, very swollen. I had very, very inflamed joints that night and my knee was very, very sore. I had to sit through some of the service because I can't stand on my knees and on my legs. And um, I felt in this uh, really, <laughs> when I laid hands on my own hands, I just felt heat come through my hands and my inflammation started going down then and there. And the pain was going. <laughs> and then he <laughs> just... I came out the front and I didn't tell Beverly where I was sore. I just told her what I suffered from. And she laid hands on me in all the places where I suffered from. And she just said, by the blood of Jesus, I release you. By the blood of Jesus, I release you. And each place where she laid hands on me, I just felt like God was internally doing a surgery on me. Then and here, right on this, on this ground here. And each place that she laid hands on me, my body just kept going down and down and down. It was submitting to the name of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that healed me. And I was on my knees like this last Sunday night. I can't sit on my knees. I haven't been able to sit on my knees for five years or more. And I've been able to do so much this week. You know, it's him. He's healed me. Um, thank you, Marilyn. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I've forgotten, the steward, you had a healing last Sunday and we were talking about it this morning right at the back. From uh, stroke, you had a stroke. I've forgotten your name. I, Teresa, thank you. Come up, Teresa. Um, last week also, um, we prayed for Teresa on the platform. Sometimes it's good to revisit testimonies because you want, you want to see, well, you know, that was good that night. How was it developed the next week? You want to make, you know, uh, come up, Teresa. And um, now, Teresa, about... Literally a year ago, had a terrible stroke, and she was in hospital. And she was talking last week about how she was just so amazed by her cell members and the people in this church that looked after her, visited her, loved her, helped her. And um, and but last Sunday she was still um, suffering really from the effects of the uh, stroke um, before she came on the platform. So Teresa, just tell them when you came last Sunday. Uh, what were the problems you were still experiencing? What happened when we prayed for you, and how has it been the last week? Okay. Uh, Matt, you just hold, can hold it. Yeah, okay. I trust you. My preaching now. Ah, you might preach now, don't <laughs> worry. I can take it back. Uh, <laughs> um, from my heart, from the time Lord healed me, I, right, right. I have been experiencing strong headaches. And especially if I'm um, excited a little bit or stressed, I get stressed for so quickly. They said, the consultant says it's the symptoms, it's the, it's the stroke itself. And sometimes nerves or whatsoever, which I'm not this kind of person. But slightly, constantly, sometimes, suddenly, I feel my, my leg and my arm so heavy. I couldn't, I, uh, I couldn't do anything. And the headache that's so strong that comes over all my neck and sometimes I cannot hold it, even my cup, my cup of tea or coffee, or coffee was so heavy. And on lying down, sometimes crying, it's usually normal, they said. And last week, last week, we've been here all week for the energize. On a Friday, I couldn't hold even the Bible with my left hand. I started, I think it was the all week of stress or worried or whatsoever, I don't know. And uh, Sunday, I kept still have a weakness on my left leg. I started praying. And um, I came with a strong headache, which affected me, all my neck uh, from here. Because they said the blood clot still on. Uh -huh, only all around my, my brain, but I take, take time. And, and Jesus, I know when he does something, I only kept to say, I shall live and not die. Uh -huh. I shall live and not die to declare the word of God. And the, the devil has no, no right to touch my soul because this is his voice promise. Last night, last Sunday, last Sunday, yeah. past, last night, Sunday night, last Sunday night, Pastor Bruce prayed for me. I felt a heat, and I felt like someone stretching my, my leg, my arm. A heat come from my head, 
all over my body, only I couldn't really hold in my body. And um, I fell on, I went to down, down, couldn't control my body. I went to down, when I woke up, I, I, I stood up from there. I went to sit drowsy, I couldn't really walk, see properly. But a few minutes after, when Pastor Bruce called me again, I couldn't, I, have, I had no pain, nothing experiences again of a stroke from last Sunday. And even, even though I had a headache, the devil is a liar Sunday night. About two o'clock, I couldn't sleep with a strong headache. I couldn't hold the pillow. I couldn't sit. I couldn't do anything. But I kept myself and known that I'm healed. And it disappeared from Wednesday to now. I never had a headache. Spent the same headaches again. Or, or any, any paralyzing situations on my arm. I can walk. Now I can do everything with my left hand as well as my right hand. The same strength. Wonderful. I believe I'm, a, I'm a here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Wonderful. So some testimonies there. And I think we'll get those in the revival times and uh, encourage people. And, uh, of course, you know, it's what, it's what we're together believing for in these services. It's not, it's, I don't carry any power. That's why um, when, I, when we have some people on the platform, I always ask you to pray, don't I? Because uh, I believe that as a congregation on Sunday nights that we're seeking for something. You're not here by accident on Sunday nights. You're here by conviction. And we call it the Holy Spirit fire service. Not that we're claiming anything, but we're pursuing something, aren't we? A touch of God. So I know that when we're praying for people on the platform, the more of us that are praying... The, the, well, the better it's going to be for somebody. And so I do believe that uh, we have a ministry team and before the service, they are seeking God for about an hour, really storming heaven. And I know that that also affects these things greatly. So this is a, a real... And, and then uh, Teresa was speaking about her cell group and they've been praying for her and standing with her, not just one evening, but right from the time when she first had a stroke. So what this is, is body ministry. And, and everything that's happening, the week by week, the month by month, the prayer meeting there, you praying in your seats, all of this together is what brings the, the anointing uh, and, and the healing. I'm just the presenter, do you know what I mean? I'm just the presenter and trying to say, well, Lord, what do you want to do next? I'm certainly not the, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one amongst many, I'm part of it, but I'm just the person, someone's got to come up here and call it out and, and do the direction. That's where it ends. And that's what God wants in these days. It's body ministry. It's body ministry. It's togetherness. It is cells. It is the prayer meeting behind the scenes that you don't see. And all this together. And we all play our part in our different ways. When it comes together, that's where the Holy Spirit commands the blessing. Well, I want to speak to you today on a subject, a prophetic subject, I believe, um, that's on my heart. And... Um, I've entitled this, Be Thou My Vision, which is the title of a very famous hymn, Be Thou My Vision. And I want to speak about spiritual sight tonight. Um, I'm starting from John chapter 9 and verse 35. It's the famous passage of the man born blind and the disciples are having a theological discussion. Why has this man been born blind? Was it his fault or his parents' fault? And he said, you're asking the wrong questions. This is an opportunity for the glory of God to come. That's what matters. Let's see what God's going to do. And the man gets saved and the man gets healed and sees for the first time. And the Pharisees don't like it. And, um, and then uh, they cast him out. And here in John, 3, 30, John 9, verse 35, it says this. Jesus heard that the Pharisees had cast him out. And when he had found him, the blind man, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you've both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see. And those who see may be made blind. 
And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remains. So Jesus was dealing with two realms. I said this before, but when you read John's gospel, things are happening on two levels, two realms, the natural and the spiritual. And again and again in the gospel of John, you find that Jesus is speaking on the spiritual plane, but people are thinking on the earthly plane. So that's why when um, uh, he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, Jesus was speaking spiritually, but Nicodemus was saying, well, how do I climb back into my mother's womb? You see this again and again and again. People thinking earthly, earthly realities while Jesus is speaking about spiritual realities. And remember this, spiritual realities are far more real than physical realities. All this is temporary, do you know that? Even your body's temporary. Should the Lord tarry and not return in your lifetime, your body will disintegrate. But your spirit is not temporary. Your spirit is eternal. And death is simply the separation of your spirit from your earthly, temporary body. And then the big question is, where does your spirit go when you die? It's not a big question when you die, what happens? The big question is, where does your spirit go when you die? Does it go to heaven or does it go to hell? And your, your spirit will always exist because you're an eternal being. So you will eternally exist in heaven or you will eternally exist in hell. And I'll come back to that later on because there's no reason why anybody in this place tonight or watching on the internet, there's no reason that any of us need to spend eternity in hell. Uh, we just need to receive the free gift of life, of forgiveness of sins. And, and, and here, Jesus is speaking about spiritual blindness. And I want to speak about this a little bit, not just the blindness, but spiritual vision, because it's so important on many, so many levels. Paul, in his great prayer in Ephesians, the beginning of Ephesians, he prays that the eyes of people's hearts would be open so that they could see the greatness and the length and breadth of God's goodness and, and to know that God is immeasurably able to do more than you could possibly imagine. Paul prayed that they would see that. We know that in the New Testament, it talks about, I think it's Colossians, I may get mixed, Colossians, Philippians mixed up, but it doesn't matter, that we walk not by sight, but by faith. And so what does that mean, that we're walking blind? No, it means that faith is sight. That's something that's worth writing down if you're making notes. Faith is spiritual sight. When There are things that you can only see through faith. Only seek through faith. And sometimes we go through situations where naturally what you're looking at, nothing's going to happen. But when you have the eye of faith, you can see beyond the natural and the temporary. And you can see the eternal. We walk by faith and not by sight. In Luke chapter 4, in Jesus' manifesto, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted. And one of the things that he came to do was to bring recovery of sight to the blind. And not only was that manifest in physical healings, we had a few physical healings uh, recently where somebody was able to read out of their eye for the first time in five years. And, but, but, but Jesus is also speaking about spiritual sight, Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, speaking about why Jesus came into the earth. Matthew 4, 16. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Speaking about a spiritual darkness that people find themselves in. And that when Jesus came to earth, he came to bring light. I mean, the people who sat... In darkness have seen a great light. I often think about that verse. It's a very verse that is very close to my heart because it talks about Europe. Europe is a people who are sitting in darkness. I mean, 
It's very powerful, that phrase. The people who sat in darkness. Why are they sitting? Because it's so thick dark that they can't stand. They wouldn't know where to go. When you're in total thick dark, you ever been in thick darkness, so thick, sometimes you have to get out of the city into the countryside, so thick you can't even see the hand in front of your face. And you can almost feel the thickness of the darkness. Well, if you're in such thick darkness and there's no light, what are you going to do? You're not going to start walking around, are you? You're going to sit down because there's no way for you to go. This speaks of the helplessness of those that are in the darkness of spiritual sin. But thank God, those that sat in darkness have seen a great light. And that darkness is upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death. Light has dawned. Thank God, Jesus is the light of the world. We know that 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. So here again is a spiritual blindness, a darkness. It's a demonic blinding of the mind so that people just can't see it. It's demonic. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is speaking to to believers and he's saying to them, don't be like those that are in darkness. I just find that's worth reading. That's Galatians. Okay. Sorry, it's not, yeah, 17. No, sorry, Ephesians 4, 17, yeah. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Jesus, when the disciples said, why do you speak in parables? Most scholars and teachers of the New Testament, when they say, well, why did Jesus speak in parables? They say, oh, he used common everyday stories so that people would understand what he was saying. Well, it's not quite as simple as that because when they asked Jesus, his disciples, why do you speak in parables? He said, well, so that seeing they may not see. And hearing they may not hear, lest they would turn from their sins and be healed. But to you has been given the understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. In the great Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 22, Jesus says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your body will be filled with darkness. Again in Matthew 7, verse 3, it says, Why are you judging one another? Why are you trying to take the speck out of somebody's eye when you've got a huge big plank in your own that is blinding you? Remove the plank in your own eye And then you'll be able to see clearly to help the speck in the other people's eye. So these scriptures, and there's plenty more I don't need to go into us, are explaining that the gospel speaks in terms of darkness and light, in the terms of blindness and sight. And that when the Holy Spirit works on a human heart to bring them to salvation... What the Holy Spirit is actually doing is causing that demonic blindness to come off that person's life and to give them spiritual sight so that they can see the gospel and understand it. Sight is understanding. Maybe if you're a Christian here tonight or watching on the internet, can you remember that time when you weren't Christian? I mean, nowhere near being Christian, nowhere near getting an insight into the gospel and 
Bible meant nothing to you and Christian's words meant nothing. You, you just couldn't see it, could you? You just couldn't see it. It might be hard, but place yourself back there. You couldn't see it. You, you might have known the words, you might have known the scriptures, but you just couldn't see it. I've mentioned this before to you uh, regulars, that the time when I was uh, at secondary school and I used to work on Saturdays in the stockroom of Argos Superstores, and um, I wasn't a Christian, but I was uh, um, studying John's Gospel in my A-levels, and the, the, and the manager of Argos Harrogate was a Christian, and one day I was in his office, and he was saying, so what are you doing at school, Bruce? And I was just saying, oh, I'm doing, um, one of my subjects is RE, and he went, oh, what are you doing in RE? I said, oh, we're studying John's Gospel. He said, oh, John 3.16. And I said, what? John 3.16, he said. The, 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 the most famous passage in the Bible. Don't you know it? I said, no, never heard of it. And then he said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever might believe in him could have eternal life. I went, all right. <laughs> Made no impact on me at the time at all, except I thought it was a bit weird that he knew more about John's gospel than me, seeing as I was studying it, and just, could, just couldn't see it. Just couldn't see it. However, a, a couple of years later, I looked back on it and I thought, isn't that funny? I couldn't see it now. I can see it so clearly now. So clearly. What was that? There was a difference between me before I'd been converted and me afterwards. It was a question of sight, of seeing what was going on. I remember again it, as a young Christian studying theology at Durham University, just born again, you know, and I'm studying theology, and, and there's this professor teaching us in Greek the parables of Jesus. I'm just lapping it. He's an atheist. He was an atheist. And I'm lapping this. I'm learning so much about God and the kingdom through parables. Taught, I'm thinking, this is so amazing. I'm reading the Greek. I'm studying it in its Greek, in its original form. This is so amazing. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm being blessed. I'm applying it to my life. And then suddenly I thought, wait a second. How, how can he, an atheist be teaching me so much about the Bible, I can't stand that. Uh, how does that work? I'm being discipled by an atheist. What's going on here? That's what I thought. And I struggled with that for a while. And then, then God gave me insight. And it was like God said one day, well, well, I felt like it was God saying to me, like, well, you know that parable you just looked at? The treasure in the field? I thought, yeah. Have you learned something from it? Yeah, Totally. What about him? Has he learned anything from it? And I thought, you know, no. Because he doesn't think that the gospel is a treasure in the field. And then some of the other um, parables. And I realized that although he was teaching it from an academic standpoint, he just couldn't see it. Because he didn't see its relevance for his own life. Although he could see academically, he was blind spiritually. And although I was just beginning to understand academically, my spiritual eyes had been opened. So he was saying things that he didn't apply to his life because he just couldn't see that it made sense. But I was taking that with the eyes of faith and spiritual understanding and applying them to my life. God wants us to take a spiritual eye test tonight. And uh, whatever that might be, it might be that you've come in here tonight, excuse me for saying it, blind. You, you come in, you're not a Christian, you don't even know what you're doing here, maybe you're a guest. But you know, God has brought you here to heal your sight. And I pray that the Holy Spirit is at work in you right now and that he's opening the eyes of your heart to see that Jesus died for you personally, carried your sins on the cross. And rose again. And if you can just see that tonight, I tell you, your sins are forgiven you. You'll walk away out of this place a new man with God on your side. And whenever you die, as you surely will, I guarantee you, you'll go to heaven and not hell. God didn't prepare hell for human beings. He prepared hell for the devil and his angels. But if human beings blindly reject the light of God, then they themselves will send themselves to that place. Now, when you have a spiritual eye check, it also means that some of us also need to take stock and 
Say, you know, am I really seeing things as they are? Am I, am I really seeing myself as I am? One of the greatest dangers in the Christian life is to think you see and you don't. I'm not saying that those Pharisees were Christians, but they thought they saw. I mean, the Pharisees, they, they were the teachers, weren't they? they? They were meant to come and bring light to people and guide people. But there was a time, wasn't there, when Jesus said to them, it's the blind leading the blind. Blind guides leading people into pits. You think you can see, but actually, spiritually, you're blind. Not only are you going into dangerous and difficult places, but you think you're taking people into good places, you're taking them into the same dangerous places that you're going. But you just don't see it. Like he said to them after that, when they couldn't see this man had been saved, they couldn't see this man had not only been saved but healed. It didn't mean anything. They just couldn't see it. All they could see was how it was disrupting their lives. And that's why they took offense and said, are you telling us that that we're blind too? And Jesus said, that's your problem. If you knew you were blind, it would be the first moment of sight. And so... In our lives, how well are we seeing? Because if you're not seeing clearly, then you're going to trip up. If you're not seeing clearly, you won't know the path that you're to go. If you're not seeing clearly, then you will get diverted off the path that God has for you. You'll be distracted. You won't have an accurate sight of God, and that's going to affect you. And you won't have an accurate sight of yourself. One of the greatest theological books, Bible teaching books ever written, was written by John Calvin, called The Institutes of Religion, a wonderful book of Bible knowledge. And right at the beginning of his book, the first thing that he, that he writes about, before he gets into the different doctrines and teachings of the Christian church, the first thing he says, you open it up, you go to the first chapter, and the first thing he talks about is, is knowledge, knowledge, true knowledge. And he says two things. He says, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Think about it. Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And then the next thing that he says is, without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. Think about this. He was saying, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the Father, if you don't know the true and living God, then you don't know who you really are. You don't really understand yourself. You might think you've worked yourself out, but how can you understand yourself apart from the one who personally created you and formed you? How can you understand yourself without reference to the one that created you, that gave you your different faculties, that weaved a personality in you that, although it's marred and broken, he wants to bring out so that it blossoms? How can you know yourself if you don't know the God who wrote the manual? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, if you want to fix a car, you need to go to the manual of the car. There's no point having a manual for a, uh, um, a BMW if you're driving a Ford. You've got to go to the right manual. You've got to go to the maker's instructions. So what Calvin is saying, if you don't know God, you're not going to be in the context. You're going to make things up as you go along. But he also flipped it around and said, if you can't see who you are, if you don't know who you are, then how are you going to know who God is? If you don't realize that you're a broken sinner without God, you don't realize you're broken on the inside, you're not who you're meant to be. That you need a healing in in your heart. You need forgiveness of sins. You need to be born again. You need, to, you need to be restored. You need God to show you and shine the light into the darkness of your heart to reveal who you are so that you can begin to deal with things. You can't operate on somebody in darkness if you're a surgeon. You need very bright lights to be able to do an intricate surgery on somebody's body. And uh, you need the light of Christ in your life for God to be able to surgically deal with all that's wrong in your life. I uh, 
went to the opticians about a week ago, every year ago to the opticians for my test. And, it's in, and I was thinking about it as it happened. And the optician took me into this little room and, and put these funny goggles on me. And, uh, and, and, and before they put the goggles on me, he said, all right, can you see that? I said, yep, letters. Can you see it clearly? Yeah, see it clearly. So, okay, well, we'll have a look. And put these goggles on. And then for about 15 minutes, kept flicking different lenses on and kept saying, better or worse? And I go, better. Okay. Better or worse? Better. And then they kept doing this for ages. And in the end, it was getting to the place where I, was, I just, I, d- I didn't know. And I felt, I said, better or worse? Uh, I don't know. Better or worse? I honestly, I, I, I really don't know. Better? I said, I, said, I don't know. I don't know. It, all looks, it looks good to me. And what was happening, of course, as you know, is that to begin with, I could see big differences. And I suppose what was happening was she was refining the sight. But by the time that she had finished the better and worse thing, uh, it was amazing how clearly I could see. And I was surprised because the difference in my um, prescription, is it, or, or glasses, uh, that had changed since I'd last had my eye test was, was amazing. And, so, and I hadn't realized it. My vision looked blurred. I didn't know my vision was blurred until I had the better or worse for however long. And I thought to myself, this, this all truth is parallel. And God in these days is doing a deep work in many people's lives in Kensington Temple. You know, Colin changed his first word in revival times about a year or so ago to going deeper with God. And again, it was a year ago or a year and a half ago, I can't quite remember. I remember Colin speaking and saying, there's a move of God started. And we were like, oh, it's a move of God. What, we're going to be healings and miracles and, and, and loads of people getting saved. And he kept talking, but there's a move of God that started amongst us. And it was sort of like, well, where is this move of God? Because everything seems to be moving on quite nicely. And he said, it's a, it's, a, a, it's a deep work of God. This move of God is a deep work of God. And I remember, I remember thinking, well, what does that mean? You know, that can mean anything, can't it? Because you can't, how could you? But we're finding that in many people's lives, there is a deepening work of God. And I believe that in many of your lives, there is a deepening work of God. That there is a, a season where God is really deepening his work. I mean, even on Tuesday evening, soul talk, that's, deep, that's, a, that's a deepening work of God. So many things that are happening. I think so much of the preaching and teaching that's going on at the moment has a depth to it that is deeper than normally takes place. When I listen to people telling me their stories of their walk with God, people that I know and, and, and hear people's testimonies, it's not periphery stuff. It's not just the things, oh, God bless me with a job, but it's like, you know, I'm getting to know God in such a different way than I've got to know him before, or I'm seeing things in myself I've never seen before. And, and, and I'm, I'm seeing God clearer than I've seen him before, but I'm also seeing into my own heart clearer than I've seen before. I, I, I have, I, as I just, if I can give my own testimony, I have never seen so clearly into my own soul as I have the last six to eight months. And it's been a progressive thing as well. So I didn't realize I was beginning to see, but now when I, I reflect... And I'm seeing things inside me I've never seen before. I'm seeing, I'm seeing things that... I'm looking at that and thinking, my God, I never knew that was in me. Negative things. But negative things in a positive way. It's not that I'm, like, depressed and... I'm, I'm saddened sometimes when I see some of the things that are really inside my heart. I'm saddened. But although I'm saddened, I'm encouraged because I know that God is doing a deeper work. If I was still walking around shallowly thinking that everything was okay, and um, I think when I look back, there's been periods of my life where that has been the same. It's just been day after day, week after week, and, and I look at where I am and the season I'm in now, and I think those, those days were shallow. 
shallow experiences. You wouldn't call them shallow then. You couldn't see that they were shallow. You thought everything was going well. Everything was going well. But, but when God begins to change the prescription of your spiritual insight, and when also you begin to see God a little bit more clearly, again, sometimes we charismatics especially can be very shallow in our view of God. And I, I like to think I know a little bit about God. I've been in the ministry 20, what is it? 25 years I've been at Kensington Temple. And, you know, I've done a degree and taught at Bible College. I, just, I do study my Bible and, 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 and everything. But what I, what, the way I've seen God in the last six to eight months... I'm not just talking through experience, I've seen God in my experiences, but also in the word and in my medica- medication, <laughs> Maybe it's a meditation, meditation, uh, I've seen him in the depth. I'm not so sure about God as I used to be. Um, I like that because I think when you're so sure, you can become very shallow you know, we I'm not saying that you'd ever say this, but we think we've got him all worked out. We think we've got all the major doctrines, things. We think we know which buttons to press and what will come out. And I remember saying to the Lord a couple of weeks ago, I said, and I was pleased to say, I said, Lord, you're going to have to excuse me because I'm not as sure about you as I used to be. I'm not as sure about who, who, and who you are or how you work. I'm not sure. I'm actually a little bit insecure about how you work. And, um, and that sort of unnerved me a little bit. And yet, in this being more unsure about you, I feel more sure of you. I feel I must, I must be now coming to a place. Because it did, it, it did bother me sometimes when I thought, you know what, I think there's got to be more mystery in God than what I'm experiencing. It all seems like... You know, got it all sorted out. And sometimes I think God just unsettles you so that you can come to a place of deeper knowledge. I'm not expecting to, to, to be in the process of being unsure all the time. I believe it's a season. But I welcome this sort of mystery. I welcome the, the things that I used to just accept as read. I don't anymore, and I like that. Because I know that God is doing, therefore, a deeper work. And that when I come through, there may be things that I knew before, but I'll know them in a deeper way. I'll see them clearer than I did before. And God does this in many ways. Sometimes God will put you in a little place of confusion on purpose. Just so that you will come out of that confusion with a clearer point of view. Because if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't, if he doesn't allow you to go into cloudy situations, you will think like I did before I went into that optician's that you see clearly. I didn't really think there was anything wrong in my sight until the optician show me, showed me how much better I could really see with some adjustment to our lenses. You say, well, I don't need spiritual glasses. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Why? You need the lenses of the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't have the lenses of the... Oh, you're all gone blurred. If you don't have the lenses of the Holy Spirit, then you're just going to see things through your own perspective. You're going to see God through your own perspective. And the danger is, like so many people, so many people, you will make God into your own image. You will say, well, I think God should be like this, and therefore he will be. And you can do that in very subtle ways, even through the Bible. You pick the scriptures you like, or you pick the type of preaching that you like, and you don't look at the whole counsel of God, but just the bits that you like, or the things that, that speak to you, or, or, or the things that you already resonate with, and the things that you don't resonate with, so, suddenly they're not, they're, they're not really part of your study. It's like you, you can go and... I'm not being rude here, but you can go to many churches and you get the same message every week in a different format. A self-help message or a, it doesn't deal with the real problems and issues of life. It's just a nice big pep talk and it's, it's the same stuff every week in a different format. And 
And even when they go to different scriptures, it's the same conclusion that comes out of those scriptures. Why? Because they've got one view of God, and it's a shallow view of God. And without realizing it, they're making God into the image of their own doctrine. And so we need the lenses of the Holy Spirit so that we can see God more clearly for who he is. And in seeing God clearer, we'll understand who we are better. And like Calvin said, and when we get to see a little bit about who we really are beneath the layers and the surface, begin to see that, and are happy to see the good, the bad, and the ugly inside us, because there's all three. And when those things are revealed, what that will do, it gives you a clearer understanding of your need of God and what he's done to you. I've seen inner workings in my heart in the last six months. I had no idea I had those issues. And I was sorry about them. Like I said, I was sad about it. I thought, is that still in me? But now when I see these things, I'm encouraged because I thought, well, thank you, Lord. I need you even more. And how, much, how, how gracious you are to be with me. And, you know, keep going deeper in my life because I want to go stronger. <laughs> I remember recently... My wife and myself went through a, uh, a difficult faith test together. We were believing God for something. Let's leave it at that. And um, we wanted it really, it, we really believed that it was a legitimate desire of our heart. And, you know, it, and we thought, and, and, we, and as we were going through it, we were going through it in different ways. And I was getting to the place where, you know, I really want this so bad that, I probably want it too bad and God's not going to give it to me. And then I had to work it through and, and we really, th- and a, a few moments it looked like what we wanted was going to happen. There was a few times it looked, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. All of a sudden, our hopes raised, our faith got there, we got up for it and we were declaring and praising, you know, God and, and, uh, and then, then a number of times, then suddenly, bang, our hopes were dashed. And then our hopes would rise and our hopes would dash. We were dealing with this in different ways. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm tired of my hopes getting high and being dashed again, high and dashed again. And I thought to myself, I've got to deal with this. I've got to go deeper with God and face the pain of these hopes being dashed. And so I was going, Lord, you know, I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, you're a good God, but what's going on here? And then I had to come to terms with the fact that what we were believing for might not happen. And I thought, this is going to be hard for me, Lord. It's going to take me a few months, maybe longer, to get over these issues because it meant so much for me. Life will go on without it. I know what what I'm believing God for and what we're hoping for is is nothing compared to some of our believers who just want to live another day in other countries. And I thought about that too and tried to put my own life in context with other people's lives and and was saddened at how self-centered I was, and that saddened me. But I thought, well, let me think about that. Let me take that to God and say, you know, I'm sorry that this means a lot to me. And, you know, I'm just thinking about myself. And I'm working these, these things through with the Lord. And then I'm saying, right, uh, what matters, Lord, is I believe that you're in control. And if this doesn't happen, then I'm just going to trust you that there's a reason for it. I said, it's going to be difficult because I know what you're like. And it could be five or six years down the line before I turn around and say, that's why it didn't happen. Thank you, God. And I thought, I'm a bit tired of that. I know how you work, and I'm a bit tired of that. But if that, you know, because that's happened before, been deeply disappointed, but then you learn God's in control, and three or four years down the line you go, thank God it never happened. But I thought, I know that you can do that. I'm mature enough to know that if it doesn't happen, you've got reasons, but, oh, God, I'm tired. I just don't fancy waiting for five years to get some closure on this. But while I'm doing this, something's working on the inside of me. Do you know what I'm saying? Something's working on the inside of me through this, and the, the sort of, it's going to happen, and then it's not going to happen. And then it got to the place where it, where it wasn't going to happen at all. And um, my wife won't mind me sharing this with you. My wife just keeled over. She just said, it's just not going to happen. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got major issues here. Not with my wife, but my wife's got major issues with God. And I was saying, look, 
And you know, it's not over till it's over. And I remember saying to him, look, God has a habit of raising things from the dead. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we've got to trust him. But she was in a place where she was too far gone to take that. And I was in a place. And she said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing about this? I said, I'm just clinging to God. Are you believing God? No. I don't even know if I'm believing. How can I believe him for something I don't even know now whether he wants to give us? And, 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 and what if he wants, you know, I know in the end that he, he'll do what's right. So I'm no longer even praying for it. I'm just clinging to God with my desires and my pains and my hopes and my disappointments. I've got, I'm not, I, I haven't got any scriptures. God, I often speak to you about the power of promise, don't I? And that often God will give you a scripture. I mean, he will, not one you make up, but God will give you a promise. I've got a book of promises. And sometimes there's been situations that I've faced and God's given me a word and know it's from word and I, and I utilize that word. I don't need, I cling to God's word. I trust God's word and it brings me through. But sometimes God takes you to a place where he doesn't give you a word. And that's where we were. I had no word. I had no word of the Lord to hang on to. No word, no word, no sort of like just believe or, or just trust me or it'll work, even it'll work out in the end. I know that it will. I, I had no rhema for this. And, um, and I said to Nicholas, I got no rhema. I said, before I've told you, this is what God gave me. And even if I didn't understand what it would meant, I would hold on to it. I've got something to hold on to. I said, I've got nothing here. I said, it's not, a, and I'm thinking, well, where's your faith? And I thought, I've got nothing to put my faith into. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know what the will of the Lord is and all I can feel is my deep heart's desire for this thing to take place. And so I said, so Nicholas, sometimes you get into a place and uh, there is no word. I mean, you can pick a promise out of the scripture. That's no use. I can find myself a word. But if God's not on it, it's just a joke, isn't it? I'm tired of picking things out from the scripture and saying, here's a word and God's saying, yeah, not for you. Now, there's a general word of the Lord and the general character of the Lord and the general things that you can do, but I'm talking about a specific situation where you need to hear from God. And so I said, I said, I'm, I said I'll tell you where I am. I'm just in this place where I'm just clinging to God. I'm just holding on to him and clinging to him. I'm saying, whatever, I, just got, I, I can't even think. I'm just going to cling to you. Don't even have a word to cling on to. I was clinging to God. And that was about the only thing that comforted her, actually. That was about the only thing that she thought, oh, right. I think she thought I was in a worse place than her. Just clinging to God. But, you know, during that clinging to God, deep things and issues of my heart were being dealt with. Issues towards him. Issues towards myself. Issues towards life. And I began to look at myself in the phases of this situation and think, well, I remember back, that's how I felt. I was so simplistic. I was not even thinking it was like, that was a bit arrogant, actually. I didn't know I was arrogant, but that was a bit arrogant. I, got, I was a bit precocious. That was, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't judge myself for it. I knew no better. But I got deeper and deeper with God. And then ju- just as you sort of like, as, you, as, as we were talking about this, all of a sudden, out of the blue, in the most unexpected time and unexpected way, the thing comes to pass. And now I'm even more confused than I was now. <laughs> the thing comes to pass. And even during this time, I thought, Lord, I don't know whether this is coming to pass or not, but I can see you're doing a great work through this, although I'm not enjoying it. I can see there's a great something's going on deep within me. And then when it came to pass, I was like really appreciative that it would come to pass, but I was also really, really appreciative about the journey that I'd been taken on for it to come to pass. And that I was at a place where even if it hadn't come to pass, although I wouldn't have been happy, a lot of work to be done, God had done a great work in me. And, it's, and I felt in a deep way something that I often say, that the journey is more important than the destination. The seeking God is as important as the finding God. When God gives you the breakthrough, sometimes the journey to the breakthrough is more important than the actual breakthrough. When the blessing comes, or the healing comes, or doesn't, when it, or, or the breakthrough, or God comes through to you. And so this wonderful thing took place, and yet, although I'm so grateful for what happened, I'm equally grateful for what I learned about myself. 
And I said to Nick after, I said, well, I tell you what, thank God for this breakthrough. It's just, and of course, I'm a million times more grateful for it than I would have been if I'd been given it at the start. I think I would have almost taken it for granted, to be honest. <laughs> I don't take it. I've never, I, I, he brought me to the place of the greatest appreciation through this thing. And I said, well, we've learned a lot, haven't we? He said, we certainly have. We've learned a lot about ourselves. Not all of it's good. I said, no, all of it is good because there's a deeper understanding. Now as we move forward, we have to make sure we've learned the lessons and learned who God is through these experiences because we can see God. We have learned to see God a little bit more clearly and one another. And now, and even in that experience, as I'm going to the Word of God, I can see God in different ways. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Because what's happening is we've got God going, can you see me better or worse? And you know, sometimes it's worse. Better? I can make this go. Or worse? Worse. Better or worse? All right, now how about this? Better or worse? Oh, better. Better or worse? Better. Better or worse? I don't know. And God is doing that in the lenses of our life and the way that we're viewing things. God is saying, better or worse? Can you see me? Better or worse? And sometimes it will be worse. I I don't know, God. I can't see you, actually. Like I said, I'm more confused. I really don't know what's going on. Worse. But he's actually in the process, like that optician was, of getting you to a place where when you leave the optician's you're seeing as, be- you're seeing as better, better than you've ever done before. So, what's going on in your life? The Holy Spirit is trying to clean the lenses. He's trying to take out the planks. And if we are open to this, then what will happen is the better and worse. And so if, you, if, you're, if you're in a place where at the moment it's like, can you see God better or worse? Worse. Don't worry. Understand. He's going to do it again. Better up. Just keep seeing. Just keep looking. I kept being told, keep looking. And sometimes you say, blink. Why? Because I need to keep focus. And she could tell when she could, I don't know how, but she could tell with my pupils of my eyes when I wasn't focused. When it was like, no, no, look at the letters. You know, because I was looking away. And so you keep your focus. And God begins to do these things in you. And finally, it's like James's mirror. James says that the word of God is like a mirror or a glass, he says, a glass. And that when you look into the scriptures, there's always a a reflection. The word of God, the preaching of the word of God. I hope that something tonight is a mirror where you can reflect your own soul in. Some of the words perhaps have been a mirror to your soul where you can just sort of say to yourself, yeah, I'm, I'm looking into what he's saying and I'm getting a reflection back in my own life and understanding of myself and God. And James says that when you look into the word of God in all its forms, it's a mirror and it's reflecting back to you something that's accurate. But if we are not open to see that, then we'll be like the man, James says, who goes and looks into a mirror and it's obvious what, what's, what, what he looks like, but he goes away and he doesn't make any changes. Why? Because he's not seen it. He's not properly looked into it. He's not spent time to meditate and to look and to open his heart. Why? Because he's gone in a shallow manner to the, shallow manner to the mirror. He's just sort of like, take a flick, yep, looks great, and walked away. And what we have to do in our life with God and in our hearts is to, and the actual Greek says, looks intently. The one who looks intently into the law of liberty, which is the gospel. So you have to, with intention, look into the word of God and allow time for reflection and meditation. If You can't just go superficially. And let me say, if you think that you're in a good place with God, you're probably deceiving yourself. If you think you've got it all worked out and you fancy yourself a teacher rather than a pupil, then uh, watch out. Be careful. 
And if in your life you've had no major revelations of the stuff that needs to be sorted out on the inside of you for months and months, if you think you're doing great at work and you're a nice person and everything like that and, and you've had no major uh, insights into the workings of your heart, then uh, I'm concerned about your soul. Seriously. I'm not saying every day you're going to have this. I'm not talking about a, a ridiculous... Some, some of you are too sensitive. You're seeing things that aren't there. But, but I'm talking not to you, the oversensitive. I'm talking to you that think that you're doing all right. And can't remember the last time you were shocked about what was inside your heart. Can't remember the last time you saw something that, my God, that needs to be dealt with. Because that's not going deep with God. Let's pray together. Lord, be thou my vision. Be thou my vision. Not only that I would see you, that you would be my vision, and I would see you as you really are. But be thou my vision, that you would be the vision through which I could see myself, through your eyes. Lord, we know on these evenings... We're asking you to do a work in our lives. We're grateful for the miracles, uh, seeming miracles, and, and definitely the healings that are taking place that we're hearing of, and more of those, please. But we do believe that the greatest work of the Spirit, and thank you for the healings and miracles, because it alleviates people of terrible daily problems and, and pain, and that, that's, that, that, that's what that's really about. It's not about showing off. It's about people in pain we respect that we know there's going to be more to come the greatest work of God and the greatest miracle of God is what God can do in the heart of a human soul that's the greatest work of God the greatest work of God is on the inside of your life that's the greatest thing a heart changed by God a heart softened by God a person whose vision of self is becoming clearer person whose vision of God is becoming clearer that is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit I pray for people here today that, that may need to come into the light maybe you came in tonight and you're not a Christian and you need your sins forgiven this evening you need those scales to come off your eyes you are one of the people sitting in darkness but you've come tonight and some light's been shone. And the only light you need to start your journey is that Jesus loves you. That the Father sent his only son because he loves you so much and didn't want you to stay in your self-inflicted darkness but wants you to come out where there's light, there's warmth, there's vision. You might see God and his world as it really is and begin to have your own self-revelation. If tonight you're ready for forgiveness of sins, the beautiful thing is, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is see that he died for you and rose again. Light will shine. That light will become greater and greater. If you want forgiveness of sins tonight, with every head bowed, I just ask you right where you're sitting to lift your hand to the Father and I will pray for you. Upstairs. And tonight you will walk out of this place blind seeing spiritually. Anybody else tonight, you want to make sure that you are right with God. And for the rest of us here tonight, we're going to open up the floor in a, in a moment's time. The ministry team can come forward. And you saw that miracles, uh, healings and miracles, some of these things take place on the platform, but there's a lot that takes place down here as you heard that wonderful healing that took place down here in the platform we're going to pray for whatever need you have but why don't you ask God to give you the lenses of the Holy Spirit just ask him Lord give me the lenses of the Holy Spirit give me the lenses because Lord I, I think I'm short sighted or I think I'm long sighted or I think I've got things blocking my vision so I pray Holy Spirit, that you would come into the eyes of our heart, according to Ephesians. 
and that you would do a work of a spiritual optician in all of our lives here tonight on the internet. And that just like that optician gave me better sight, clearer sight that I didn't even know, I thought my sight was fine. Lord, if tonight we're saying my sight's fine, we pray that you will do a great work. You're already doing a great work. Some of the things I've said tonight is just a commentary on what people have already been going through. Because there's a move of God in this house. And the move of God in this house is a deep work and a deep season. So some of us are already involved in this process and maybe tonight I'm just helping people see what's happening. But Lord, release your power into people's sight. Let, I pray that this house will see you clearly. I pray that every member of, the, of Kensington Temple would see you clearly not just through the preaching and the teaching, but through experience and prayer. I pray that you will open the eyes of our hearts wide open. I pray that you will give us vision, that we will have an accurate vision of you, that it won't be distorted by culture or experience or negative experience or even positive experience, but we will see you clearly, see you as you are. Take away the mist from our eyes. And bring a greater clarity of vision of who you are and what you're like and what you do. Also, Lord, give us clearer vision into our own lives. Because, Lord, if we can see ourselves as we are, then we're in a position for change. Lord, take us away from the shallow waters and take us into the deep waters. The deep waters of your love and character, but also the deep waters of our own human hearts. Lord, do a great, great work in these days on the inside of your people. Because the deeper we go with you, the greater will be our opportunities to help the world see the perilous state that they too are in. Give them a vision of the good news of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together to just worship the Lord. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. If you want specific prayer for anything, then feel free to come to the front. We will pray with you. Believe God with you tonight. God bless you. Let's, let's worship the Lord. Open.